0: You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree.
1: People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris.
0: This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia.
2: This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. Episode
0: 398. Too shy of 400. We're just about there. Yeah, end of the month. We'll be at 400 episodes. That's going to be, uh, impressive, I guess. <laughs> Question mark. I don't know. Never missed, uh, never missed a week, uh, seven and a half years. So hope you guys like it. Uh, our Patreon subscribers like it. You should join them, patreon.com forward slash TNUP. Um, turns out we're a family show. We um, certainly are. <laughs> I, all these years, I didn't know we were a family show, but we have a family of, like an actual family that is supporting us in patreon uh two sisters and a mother uh and then you know we're a family so uh we're a family show we're definitely a family show i don't want to gather the kids around but we're still a family show
1: i mean i guess it depends on
0: it's different kind of family yeah uh that's on you i'm sorry (laughs) it's always on you if you can't hear you you'll get louder later
1: Probably just not. Working.
0: I ter- well, no, I turned you back down like halfway through the show last week because you started getting loud again because you were interested in the guest and very conversive and that happens. <laughs> your energy level increases and then you get louder with your energy level. That's how we can tell where Bree's energy is—is is her volume. Yep. But our our listeners, by the way, because of the editing I do, cannot tell. So they don't
1: know when I'm interested and uninterested.
0: Uh, I mean, based on how much you talk, maybe a little bit. I'm going to turn your game up a if little. If you don't say anything the whole show, you're not
3: so <sighs> interested.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think people can tell. when, Like when Julia's here and she's checked out for an hour, uh-huh. I think people know.
1: Oh, hey. So what? I posted in the Discord, and they sent in a random question for Chris.
0: Oh. Oh, they did?
1: What is your favorite slot machines to play and... What casino? When you go to one door.
0: Oh, uh, okay, so I really like, this is, I, I gotta, hold on, I'm gonna put a note, uh, casino, put a link in the slot machine. So, um, <clears throat> I, I really, really like the Nugget. Um, I don't know what it is about that property that I like so much, but I've always been a big fan of it. It's old, like it's like cigarette burns in the fucking room. Oh, it's kind of oh. old. I usually don't stay, though. Like, it's very rare. Isn't
1: that the one that we went to that has the, um, they
0: the have, 21 machine that I like? Yeah, they have the blackjack machine that you like with, like, the fake dealer and stuff.
1: Because I can play by myself, and
0: I can play at the speed that I want to play at. So what I... That's not the one that you got your cruise from though, right? No, that was from Pepper Peppermill, Rainbow, the Rainbow. Well Good. that so the Rainbow, the Peppermill, and the Montego Bay are owned by the same yeah. company, and then the Red Garter and uh the Golden Nugget are owned by the same company. Um and Red Garter, I've only been there like once. It's um small and Is it associated with the one a mesquite? I don't know. I, I don't know just,
3: there's a red card or at least there was. I don't
0: know. Well, so it's a, it's a relatively new ownership group that just bought those. Oh. Um, so. And so the reason I like the Nugget is the Nugget has a lot of old school, like three real slot machines that have. So the kinds of slot machines I like, I like to play dollar plus slots um, where you're playing like a dollar or two dollars on the slot pool. And it's you know three reels with one line, one pay line, or maybe five pay lines, like on a quarter slot with five pay lines. And so, like like triple lucky sevens, you know wild cherries, like that. Most of those games are on a similar game chip or the same game chip, which the means it's cool. Yeah, and they're the same game. They're really good. And so, the Nugget has a bunch of those. I don't really like the Nugget's high limit room, and I do spend a lot of time in the high limit room. And here's the thing: when you play penny slots. And you're doing like, let's say you're playing $3 a spin on penny slots, which is not uncommon. That's a pretty common range. Your odds are so much worse to win on a penny slot playing $3 because that's 300 credits essentially versus going and playing a $1 machine for three credits you're going to have a much better long-term return. We're we're talking probably up around 90% return to player when you play the dollar slot. Hmm. And it just depends on the machine um, and how volatile they are. But I play very low volatility machines. Um, So I'm not a huge fan of the high limit room at the Nugget because they don't have a great selection, and some of those games are really old. Um, My favorite game is probably Pinball and montego's high limit room is great because it's got the really nice pin the newer pinball machines that are still the the single line with the nice graphics that you can touch up top they've got uh, top dollar in there they've got the double diamonds all those are great machines so i like that high limit room a lot and i would say pinball is probably my favorite slot machine so there there you go are the sisters going to wendover
1: I don't know. Maybe I didn't ask. I did tell them we were presently answering
0: on the podcast. So, so I I'll wonder, listen, I, I'm interested to hear from them. They can respond in, in the discord server. Um, if they are gamblers or, or not, but there's my answer. Um, I don't know that Jeremy or Bree has either. Of I don't like, a,
1: I don't, I don't like, slot machines
0: if you do play penny slots my favorite penny slot to play um they have these so there's one well, i don't know where the hell it's at the last time i was there it was it's kind of by the door montego bay at montego bay yeah
1: because it's the one that's on the corner when we were leaving
0: uh the but the air show and we went back there they move slot machines all the yeah. time in casinos but it's uh it's the like it's the triple double diamond i love i heart free games or the double diamond or heart free games. Like those machines, if you can find them, they're penny slots, so there's not a big return, but they're a really fun game. You get lots of free games. You're you can play a hundred dollars on that thing for like hours. hours and hours and hours and never get up and never have to put new money in and walk away with probably I, the same money you put in. I've
3: played a few times when I've been in Vegas, the slots.
1: And I played a little bit when we were on the cruise. But, but I'm not I think I I'm think just more cruise, of a hey, I've got Cruise gambling is fun for me because it's a little more, yeah, at the tables. It's a little more casual uh, for the most part. I mean, they have tournaments and stuff, but like, especially if you are gambling during the day, um, so not like in the evenings before dinner and stuff, there's a lot, it gets really busy and then after dinner. But like, if you, if you go during the day when people are out swimming or doing other activities, don't they open like it? 11 or something like that
0: on the cruise well, ships. Well, it depends. So the cruise ships, where you are. they have to be in international that's waters, right. which that's means true. 25 miles off the coast of wherever they're at. Uh, and like on sea days where they're at sea, they're open all day. Just depending on the ship and how many people are there for the casino, they'll open tables at different times. But like the slot machines and the video poker and stuff, that's open basically 24 hours. Which is how I got hours. hooked
1: on the video poker. I really, or video Blackjack, because blackjack, I really just like to play blackjack. Like that's just the game that I, I could play it for hours. And the video game ones, like I can just sit and play the same hundred dollars forever. And Chris just comes in, checks in as he's moving around between slot machines and stuff. But like when we went on this last trip, the Holland America trip, um, I I can't even I don't even she know how long like, I sat she at spent like three, like three hours, hours at the table, wow. just at a table. Just playing well, with a hundred bucks. On the
0: same hundred dollars, yeah.
1: Like so, I, I didn't lose, I didn't win, I just, I don't really think of it that it. way. <laughs> yeah, kind of like I would get down and then I would get back up and then get back down and get back up. What
0: are you doing with? I'm my turning microphone? you back down because you remember snap snap how I told fingers. you pop you were. In. Remember how I told you you'd get excited. Okay, and talk we need to
1: get those things for this these microphones because it's yeah, that's frustrating.
0: The, the pop filters.
1: But anyway, um. That's, that's my preferred game. That's what I really like to play. And it's during the day on cruises, if they have tables open, um, it's super casual. Like it's not people that are super serious gamblers. And I ended up like, I think it was, it was when we went cruising for Sean's graduation. So it would have been when she was 18 and you can gamble when you're 18 in international waters. We sat down at a table as a family and just kind of gambled for the first time with Sean and Chris and the girls wanted to go swimming. And, um, I just didn't feel like doing that. And so I just sat with, through I don't know three or four different dealers that were just it was just one-on-one just them and me and we chatted and they'd like talk about like different things that I was doing and make suggestions and all that kind of stuff but it's what I like about the tables that you don't get at like a slot machine is like when I was playing with 21 I can't even remember what I did but it was really funny and it just like with that dealer became a joke the whole time you know, and then every time they would come to me, like you, you get kind of a little repertoire going with them or maybe with like the guy that was sitting next to me. uh, There were a whole bunch of people from Utah that had gotten the free cruise and his friends wanted to play poker. And so they were, they left the table and we're just standing behind the poker and he's like, well, I'm just going to keep playing. But they were like big money players. So he had like a lot of money. And so I can't remember at one point, like he didn't want to play cause you had, he had, you have to, some of the tables you have to put like a dollar on something or whatever. And he didn't have small. Huh. And so I like gave him a buck. And so then like later, like he gave me five and like cool. you start to, I don't know. It's just kind of fun sitting at the table. So that's aren't my thing, but the Chris absolutely loves them. So I just keep myself entertained and he wanders from game to game. And that's how we win cruises. Cause he, all of the, every time that he logs into one of those machines, whether it's on the cruise or in like Wendover or whatever, it well, gives some credits.
0: Well, so the difference between table games and slot machines, the comp points and stuff, which is what gives you, you know, your membership like value and stuff. The thing with, playing a machine. So whether it's a video poker machine or video blackjack or a slot machine, you know, it's all based on the amount of amount of money that you put into the machine. And so let's say you, you're going to play with $100, which is not uncommon for me to just stick $100 in a machine and play on that for a long That's time. That's
1: kind of usually what we base our baseline.
0: Um, so uh, you spend, you know, let's say you put $100 in on the machine. Well, every spin that you make, let's say you're making an average $3 bet. So every time you hit that, And it's like, you know, it's every three, four seconds, maybe five seconds, you're putting $3 in the machine. Now, you're winning a lot of that back. Like, if you actually look, like, over time, like, you sit and play, and eventually you're going to lose your money. Like, that's how it works. But your return to player is somewhere in the neighborhood of like 85 to 90 percent on most machines. And so you just sit there and you, you know, you win five bucks. You you play, you lose a couple, you play. And so you can play that same hundred dollars forever. But, you know, every five seconds you're betting three dollars. And so that's, you know, if it's a if it's, you know, a dollar a point or two dollars a point. You know, I'm racking up points really fast on table games. They look at average like hand size bet and stuff. So like if you sit down at a table and you put $100 in and your first three or four bets that the pit boss looks at while you're there are $5 bets, he's putting you at the table minimum and, you know, it doesn't matter if you sit there for five hours, you're playing $5 hands of blackjack and you're, which is what I do. You're not getting them every five seconds. You're getting them every two to three minutes. And so you're Yeah, there's not as much spend. And so that's what they kind of look at.
1: But like those guys that were playing next to me, they're they're betting a hundred dollars a hand easily every time. Yeah. So and they're so-
0: they're racking up big time points as well on a cruise. So just to just to pop
3: in. I noticed all of our phones went off. We have a, a uh, national weather emergency alert for a
0: severe storm. Uh, at well, seven,
1: starting at seven. Mm-hmm.
0: I just want to point out that sucks for you and our guests that have to, drive <laughs> have to drive home after this. But, uh, I mean, that was on our notes. Actually, we finally got some snow. Yep. Uh, much needed, much, much needed snow. Um, a good amount, like it didn't stop. It snowed here all day Sunday. Yeah. Um, and I think we probably had four or five inches maybe as the day went on. We had to shovel twice. Um, But, uh, there's snow every day in the forecast. And I've, I've
1: lost my snow pants. I, uh, we've looked everywhere for them. All I can think of is I've accidentally donated them.
0: Hmm. And so, uh, we'll see what it looks like in the morning if I decide to drive into the office or not. So, (laughs) well,
1: I'm, I'm going in. So speaking of
0: snow and de-icing planes, we, we have an update on our dude. So he did have a ticket. Uh, he was ticketed to go to Denver, I think, if I remember right. Yeah. He's a Park City resident. Thirty-two, like thirty-two. What are you old. talking about? The guy that died on the airplane. And the airplane, in the, we talked the, about the last engine. Week. They crawled into the engine and died oh, on the tarmac. I, yeah. They found his clothes on. So something happened, and like he just. Uh, so he's bipolar is the word from his family, and he was experiencing a manic episode. Something happened at the airport that didn't go well for him, like a coffee shop incident. Yeah, something, or something. happened in one of the shops because the shop employee called security and he had gotten out through an emergency exit on right. the tarmac and
3: and they found his clothes on the runway he climbed up in the engine the engine was on but not to full capacity so it wasn't going to spin it so it out. didn't suck it so they in. found
0: him before uh, the engine could and you know. uh one of the a, a pilot
3: it didn't i don't know if it was that plane but a pilot saw him called it into the tower
0: yeah i suspect it was a Different plane yeah, I don't that think was you coming can see in, cause the... they were on
3: the icing pads. On so... the de-icing planes, and you got some half-naked dude running across yeah, the tarmac. It's... You're gonna notice. That's, uh, that, that's wild. So they found him, pulled him off, uh, they tried to resuscitate him, but he was pronounced dead at the...
1: So did he die of exposure
0: or it, of the, the... They haven't released that uh, yet. I don't think they're... The de-icing they're chemical. They're probably not 100% sure, uh, what it was. Cause it could have been the de-icing chemical, it could have been exposure, it could have been... Carbon monoxide poisoning or lack of oxygen, cause those engines pull so much air through, you might not be yep. able to breathe. And then they had to, it. They had to pull everybody off the plane, cancel that flight. Hey, at least it wasn't in midair and have a fucking, like, door, door slash window uh, exit just well, fly it out. Was, so, from what
1: I'm reading and looking at pictures of proving, like, that's what the case, it's a potential exit door, but for the configuration of that plane, it is not used as an exit door. So they're investigating why it would have come out, whether it would, if, whether somebody punched it out thinking that it was going to be a door and then they put it back and didn't put it back right. Or if it was just never, uh, like so, the, the integrity was not there, but it, it was m- like, the reason the the opening is so perfect is because it had the potential to be a so, door. For
3: those who don't understand how the story took a weird
1: turn, an oh. airplane door fell out of an
3: airplane. Yeah, this happened
1: like
0: two days ago. <laughs> Alaska, Alaska Airlines. An Alaskan Airlines flight. Leaving Oregon? Yeah, it was taken off from, I think, Portland or something. Uh, and they're getting up to cruising altitude and basically- I think basically they were like 10 minutes from the a, airport. A window like- like it's like a like a door size chunk of the plane it's flies not like off It's like
1: a door size chunk it's a
0: it flies off in the middle of the plane. Thankfully, everyone was still seat belted in. And no one got pulled out. There wasn't
1: anybody in the seat right by it, but there was a kid there that um, the mom like had to like grab him. His shirt got sucked off.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. That's a ca- the cabin's pressurized. Like you lose right. all that pressure instantly. Once the, once the pressure equals out, you're not going to get sucked out of the plane quite so quickly, but, but so like that initial initial, that initial yeah. pressurization's really rough, but like, you know, all the videos that came out were like post the freak out of everyone initially and they realized, okay, we're not going to die. The plane's going to land. It sucks, but we can like slow down. We've said our prayers that we're not going to die. Um, but so all the oxygen masts came down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were all down and everyone had to put them on. Um, and I, I think like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, really lucky that it wasn't worse because if that would have happened at altitude, there's probably some people gone. Oh, yeah. Um, or it could have rip the plane in half or who knows what. Yeah, like that's really dangerous. All those planes are now grounded. Um the FAA is under a lot of heat right now because how do you fucking approve that plane? These are brand new planes, by the way. So,
1: Boeing has like 4000 orders for this type of plane and they've only like produced like 1100 or 1400 or something like that. So they're already significantly behind and now they're all grounded because
0: can't have the doors falling off. Well, and no. that's a big deal to ground that many flights. Cause if there's 14, I mean, 1400 aircraft, that's a lot of flights to ground. Most of them probably fly three to four routes a day. Cause these are regional jets. Um, so this so- is going
1: to be like your Oregon to Salt Lake
0: or your LA to Salt Lake or no, 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 this is like Salt Lake to Pocatello. This is regional jets fly to the smaller airports, like your, you know, to, but from,
1: but my point is, they're very short flights. They're not long flights.
0: Yeah, they're, like two to four hundred miles, maybe more than that. But they're always to like smaller airports, and they're smaller planes for sure because they're like regional. So maybe jobs. like your Cedar City Airport or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or flying to like basically anywhere but Billings in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> You're to fly those smaller aircraft. Um, but yeah. So anyway, that's that's crazy. It's not really Utah related, but um I mean, Well, we have eight. lots
1: of Boeing here. <laughs> we
0: we do. We um, do. A few events coming up worth noting. Um, so the legislative session is about to start here in the state of Utah. Um, Chris has th- decided not to run. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I got a message from uh, that's different than the session. But so I got a message. So I'm a registered Republican. For those of you that don't know, uh, I did it the last election cycle, um, last major election cycle, because um, the governorship was up for election. And you know, in the state of Utah, the Democrats, you know, if even if I want to vote Democratic, there's no Democratic primary, right? We're going to put up one candidate probably for that position. And in Utah, they're not going to win. For, and, yeah, probably not going to win. And really, to, to have any kind of say, you have to be Republican to be able to vote in the primary for Republicans.
1: So if you want say in who you're going to vote for, because it's probably going to be the Republican that wins, you want to vote in the primaries. And
0: so, uh yeah, I'm a registered Republican for that Same. reason. Um So I'm on their text list and I get texts all the time. And the head of the Republican Party here in Utah sent out a blast that basically said, hey, Ashley Matthews, who is my rep, is running... Who we love and vote for uh, all the time. ...is running on a post. You should register to run against her so she's not unopposed and I'm like I put it up on her Instagram maybe I should run because I'm not really a Republican but I don't want to run against Ashley I like Ashley Matthews I think she's been a good rep for our district. Jonathan responded and said yes you should <laughs> <laughs> My the guess Chris is has
1: thought about running for like the delegate um, posts because there's a lot of times we don't have one um, he's thought about getting getting involved in doing that but Right now, he's I'd he's a little busy run, with yeah, I, I'm too the busy podcast and school and his side job and his regular job and, you know, doing all of the things that I we want got him to do. Too and, many
0: irons in the fire to be on city council or lo- the legislature. But maybe,
1: like, maybe, like, once school's over and stuff slows down a little, you might.
0: So, anyway, not, to do with that, my point was actually that the legislative session is about to start for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff. You can go out there and read a lot of reviews. Um, most of the legislation that's going to be presented has already been written or is in process. Um, but there is an event. I think you posted yep, it. I did. So, HK
3: Brewing uh, Taproom. They're doing a pints and policy, a legislative preview, uh January eleventh, six to seven thirty. So uh I don't I don't know. They didn't announce who's gonna be there, but there's gonna be some representatives, there's gonna be somebody to talk
0: about. It's the Healthy Environment Alliance of Utah is the one actually putting this on with them. So it is it is an interest group, just so you know, it is gonna be a there's probably going to be a quite a bit of like f- clean air uh legislation discussed but they'll discuss other stuff um there are other groups like um um drinking liberally is another group locally that um you know meets regularly talks about legislative issues in the state they're very liberal you know alco- uh, alcohol induced organization you don't have to drink alcohol to hang out induced. with them <laughs> But uh, they typically meet in a pub or a bar um, and, you know, discuss politics and stuff like that. But uh, you can also go out and read. Um, a lot of groups are putting up, you know, legislative review, yeah. like, hey, this is the stuff that's out there. Last last week when I was in the office, we got into a political
1: discussion, which I'm not going to bring up again. But one of the things that was mentioned was like a Gail Razek and I was like, oh, she is like the anti everything <laughs> of me. And he was like how do you even know who that is? I just found out. And I'm like, how do you not know who that is? Yeah.
0: Again, you're more plugged in than most people. The hell? It's amazing how many people I have no idea. Yeah. So that's this Thursday, though. That's the 11th, uh, get from- involved,
1: people. Not, you don't have to run for an office or anything, but find out what's going on in our state. Find out if you can vote for something or vote against something that
0: you don't want or you do want. There's also, uh, um, level crossing, uh, is doing a collaboration with, uh, the Salt Lake City or Salt Lake Culinary Education. Yep. So that's the culinary institute that we've talked about, uh, that's in Salt Lake. So they're actually, oh, the Park City Culinary Institute.
1: Yeah.
3: That's in Salt Lake. That's in Salt Lake, but it's called the Park City Culinary. Yeah. So
1: they're doing. Well, a, it used to be in Park City. They're
3: doing a collaboration, so it's a four-course beer pairing. So it's a four-course meal, uh, paired with lava Crossings Brew. Nice. Um, nice. It's the head chef
0: for the Culinary Institute is working with them. It's like $80 a I, seat. I will tell you as someone who has gone to these tasting events, they're fantastic because it's not just any beers that are made, like they specially make these yeah. beers for the menus that are produced by these chefs or for the things that are being presented. And you're not, this isn't a beer you're going to be able to go find in a store. Like mm-hmm. you, they might have one or two that they sell off the shelf somewhere, but these are going to be small batch brews. Yep. That, this is the only chance you're going to get to taste some of this stuff. And you that, guys that we went get. to one, the chocolate one, uh, cheese and chocolate, cheese and, and, chocolate. Beer. and they had that cocoa nib small yeah. batch, like single cask that they did of the beer. That was
3: amazing. So these are, these are not just any old beer. These are like, like Chris said, these are specifically made to go with the meal. And they complement each other. And if you kind of like beer or you're not quite sure about beer, something like this would be amazing. Yeah. Because then you can find out how good it can be and how paired with the right foods, it complements your food. It's mm-hmm. not.
0: It's not yeah. unlike a good wine. Like a good wine pairing actually makes a really big impact on right. how if well If you get the right wine
3: with fish or with pork or with beef, it complements it and it makes a difference. Beer can be the
0: same way. A lot of people... Are kind mm. of afraid of it, or they think, "Oh, beer's just gross." Mm, it can be, but there's a lot. I mean, th- the difference between uh, a stout and a crisp, like pale ale, so or different. or even like half a half of ice. The flavor profile, the complex the complexity, the even the texture of the different, you know, the different styles like that there's a big difference and, mm-hmm. um you know having a like a slightly sour beer like maybe not necessarily saison but a slightly sour beer with you know certain foods is going to really amplify the foods yep
3: so it should be fun and that's coming up uh January 25th 6:30 to 8:30 at level crossing uh tickets are going quickly so if it's something you're interested in
0: yeah definitely go, go, yeah, go to um, levelcrossing.com Uh, check it out, you can get tickets through them. Also, sliceutah.com, you can get tickets that way as well. And I would recommend getting them, like, now, if you're interested, because they, they won't be available. Nope. And it's a Um,
3: small, I don't know how many people, but it's probably a a relatively small
0: group. Yeah, it's gonna be what will be housed inside of that. Their tap room. Yeah, in their tap room, which is not gonna be massive, so. Okay, joining us this week is uh jenna Rogan. I was going to say the full name, but I decided to well, go don't Justin say her too. middle name. We right just, had anyway. a conversation yeah. just about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's almost uh, it's an R at the end. I don't know. Is that your married name?
2: No, it's my maiden. That's your maiden yes. name. Okay.
0: Okay. So, um uh, are you married? No. No. Okay. I couldn't remember if you said husband or boyfriend or partner or what. Uh She said boyfriend. Yep, I, boyfriend. I Yeah. There were like six hundred other words said between then and now. <laughs> yeah. So uh we were just talking. So the winter storm warning that we got, you know, in podcast time like twenty minutes ago, it's been I don't know, 45 minutes maybe now. Something.
1: So now we're like in
0: full-fledged... It's crazy out there. Baby Rose. Like I went up there because, you know, I usually try to go up with the stupid dog being the way she is. I like to go up and like let the guests into the house.
1: Well, I um, usually go up and Chris dog corrals, but he was up there doing something and I was chatting and then all of a sudden I heard a female voice and I was like, oh, I think the guests is here.
0: <laughs> but I go up there when I went up there and like all of a sudden it just started coming down like crazy blizzard-like conditions and then like... 10 or 15 minutes it was like it just white out like there's now snow like i put ice melt down but i don't think that's doing anything yet (laughs) so
2: yeah it got crazy (laughs) quick i couldn't see anything on
0: the way in um well i'm glad you made it and hopefully we'll get you out of here quickly uh so you can you know not Yeah, yeah um so jenna is uh you're an artist right um and I think we'll we'll get into that. Um we'll our, you think we will? Well probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to when you're talking to an artist. But we like to ask all of our guests uh, a question up front, which is when is your what's your birthday?
1: The month and the day. You don't have to give the year unless you want to. Uh July twenty eighth.
0: Oh, look at that. You're Halloween baby. Yeah, Halloween baby.
2: Halloween,
0: maybe. Yeah, what Do does that mean? You know, so your parents, parents were went doing? to a Halloween party.
2: That's ah, when you were conceived. Nine yeah. months
0: later, you came along.
2: I never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, my, I love that. I'm July
0: nineteenth, and uh, I think
3: about that often. <laughs> Do your so, parents have an anniversary at that time? What's that? Do your parents have an anniversary? They
2: have an anniversary in October. Yeah. Oh. That is so Halloween. it's either Halloween or Halloween anniversary or, or a anniversary. combo. Yeah.
0: Yeah. See?
2: Oh, how funny. You're a <laughs>
0: celebration baby. baby. I never
2: put that together. <laughs> celebration well, baby. Well,
0: hold on. Were they married when you were conceived?
2: They were, yes. Okay. So
0: then maybe a celebration. I was not. My parents were not married until like three months before I was born. And he only found out like a year ago. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> so, God. I, I just assumed they were married the whole time. Makes right. a lot more sense. My mom was like 19 when she had me. So, um, she was shy of her 20th birthday. Um, so what you're a Leo?
2: I am a Leo. See? So
0: yeah. I, I only know that because my mom is also a Leo and I'm a cancer because I fall before then the 22nd, I think is usually the date. So nice. Yeah. So where were you born? Yeah.
2: Uh, Grand Junction, Colorado. Grand Junction—that's where my You've mom come
3: a was long born. way from really? Grand yep. Junction. Did right. you go Who was born? My mom was born in Grand oh, Junction because huh? my my grandfather worked for the railroad, okay. And so they were stationed in Grand Junction for like a year or less. That's where my mom happened to be born. So technically, that yeah. happens. That's where she was born, and then they moved out to Idaho, and that's where my family's from is Idaho. But yeah.
2: Wow. That was one of my yeah.
3: So,
0: did you grow up there or was it I grew it a-
2: up there. I went to college there. Wow. I ended up moving to Denver. And what high school? Teach? Um, I went to Grand Junction High School. And then at the time it was Mesa State College, which is now a university. Huh. So, I think it's I'm not sure. So, what's Colorado the population? Like, how
3: many kids graduated with you in high school? Gosh, like, 12? I know. <laughs> it's not.
2: And Grand, Junction's Grand Junction's not that small. It's fairly large. I mean, it's not that small, but it's small in comparison to Salt Lake. Well, so, I don't know. Or Denver. Or Denver, for sure. My daughter
1: was living in Denver for a while, and I was like, I don't know how you drive these freeways. I know oh my, my graduating
0: goodness. class, I graduated from Granger High School, yeah. was 1,200 people. Grand Junction's okay. 67,000 wow. people, Jeremy. Okay, it's so not it's, that small, it's bigger than St. George. I think. Was right? it when you were there? When you grew up there or was it still relatively small?
2: It was relatively small. It's gotten quite a bit bigger. Oh yeah. St, um, St. George is like hundred now. So. Is it? Yeah.
3: Yeah, Saint George has kind of exploded the wow. last.
0: But still, I mean seventy thousand people is fairly significant. So, I, mean, I, I grew up in a town of twelve thousand. So <laughs> So you had a Walmart then.
2: We had there, a Walmart. There were more <laughs> than we a target.
0: You had more than one high school, I'm assuming with that. Yes, population.
2: we had about four high schools. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a
0: it's a it's a mid sized city. Um not really a town, a little bit bigger than that. So, you know, you get more than one Walmart, you get a couple high schools, bigger than any city in Wyoming. That's true. Casper tops out the table at like 50,000. <laughs> 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 and they only have two high schools, so. Wow.
2: So, yeah, we always drove to Denver for entertainment for stuff. So, did you have
0: did you have siblings?
2: I have an older brother, he's 3 years older. He uh, grew up skateboarding, so that was like a huge influence. He was always a huge influence on me. His music, his, just his whole vibe. He's always influenced and inspired my art. Nice. So um, you yeah. stay close? We're very close. We talk all the time. He's still in Grand Junction. Um, working at the Walmart. I know, right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does, um, banquets. So he works oh. banquets. Oh, there you go.
3: So, uh, so what'd you study in yeah. school?
2: Um, I went for counseling psychology, actually, which is so funny. Uh, I think I just jumped into school because that was expected. I didn't mm-hmm. know what to do. Mm-hmm. I had no plan. I graduated. Well, Was it also
3: just a way to get out?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean,
3: she didn't really leave.
2: I didn't leave, but I got out. I graduated high school early, which is what paid for my first college, my first year of college. So I was kind of, that was my way out was to go to college early. So I was like, I'm just going to pick whatever I find interesting. I was always told art wasn't a good choice because, you know, that I was told you can't find success in that. So I didn't choose art, and I went with psychology, and I just kind of... Those people are liars. Lies. Not always, but, you know. It's it's not easy. (laughs) It's not Uh, easy, that's for sure. And I will continue to
0: give this advice to anyone that ever wants to do art and wants to go to college. Take business school. Yep. Yep. Just go to business school because you will figure out, like... Art classes, my daughter said it best with art classes in college. She said, I don't like taking them because it doesn't fuel my creativity to have to do this stuff. Exactly. So like learning like some of the how is probably useful, but at the end of the yeah. day, like she's just fucking talented. Yeah, because
1: like, she's a, an artist <clears throat> that doesn't really do much anymore that has a psychology degree. Okay.
0: Yeah. and yeah. But it's like, it's like if you take, if you take business courses, if you go through business school It doesn't matter what you love; Mm -hmm. you can turn it into something successful. And
3: everything is a business. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter what it is; everything is a business. That's how
0: artists get to be artists. Because that's the same thing I've told. That's the same thing I've
3: told my kids: is if if you don't know what you want, go to business because it's generic, but it's well rounded enough that even if you go into the art world, graphic design, whatever, it's a business. yeah. Yeah. So having a business background and being artistic is perfect
2: absolutely i definitely i never found business to be interesting and oh, no, i not, always not. like i wish i had gone to business school because mm-hmm. now i'm just you know i mean i'm figuring it out as i go but man
3: well uh, that's the other thing is a lot of artistic people or like me uh who went into architecture they don't teach business nope so you get done with school <laughs> you may be an amazing architect you do know, have no idea how to run a business You might be an amazing
0: <laughs> artist and know a million techniques, but like how do the, you turn how, that into a right. living? <laughs> and how do you build somebody? And how do you like So
1: how do you do run that?
0: the business side of
2: things? <laughs> so now to be more personal, how
0: do you do that? Well how'd you how'd you get it? I mean, art was always a thing for you then growing up.
2: It was, yeah. So not for myself personally, but in my family, um my mom's entire side They're all artists. So my mom, my grandma, uncle. What, like different kinds Uh, of mediums or mediums? Mostly painting and visual art, but also music is another big one. Um, like
3: as a hobby or did some of them actually? Um,
2: one of my cousins, he has, he's in a band and he teaches guitar lessons. Uh, my mom teaches art classes. My uncle teaches art classes. Um, he has always done art full time. So it's been a huge, huge, huge influence on my life. I think I was intimidated on it by it for most of my life. Cause there was so much talent. It was just so highly You're saturated like, I that I was like, I will this. never be this good. <laughs> Why would I even try? So I didn't, Actually try my own hand at art until I was 29. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. And that's, I think that's when I stopped caring about what other people were going to think or what my art looked like in comparison to others. It was more for therapy and my own mental health. So that's when I finally gave my own go at it. So
3: what did you do in between? So. You go to school, you finish school. Mm-hmm. What do you do until art kind of becomes your thing?
2: I made every wrong decision you could possibly <laughs> make in life. <laughs> I made all the wrong decisions. I got- uh,
0: let's, let's go through them. Did you get married and divorced?
2: No, surprisingly. Okay, okay. Well, so you didn't make all of them. I, I, I made that one. Right? I don't. I'm surprised I didn't make that one, but it was mostly with substances. Honestly, that's what really took me down. Um, I graduated college and always partied in college, which was normal. But once I graduated, I didn't really have direction or know, have a plan. And I kind of just completely fell off and went from college to literally the streets. Um, Seven inpatient programs. Wow. Maybe 10 to 15 detoxes. So really like on the streets, in a, my own living hell that I had created for myself.
3: So what was your drug of choice? Um,
2: heroin and cocaine but how did heroin? you get into that because I mean it's available but it's not like mm-hmm. something that's like, you know what today I'm gonna try heroin exactly maybe I mean now it's different because I've been off of opiates for almost 10 years so it's completely different now but when I was in it it was it was pills um, mostly college parties and cocaine. so really the pills didn't come into play until later. Um, yeah, it's,
0: it's not hard. You know how people get into heroin? Painkillers.
2: Yeah. It starts it with painkillers
0: and it starts with, this is why there's such a huge problem with opioids, uh, in the country is people get prescribed them for, Bree's a good example. Bree got prescribed a <laughs> bunch Brie's of a opiates. Couple. No, I, heroin. I, well, I'm so kidding. I'm kidding. she, <laughs> you know, she had a hysterectomy. I think until we threw them out recently, she still had Oxycontins from her hysterectomy, which was how I met her. Like, 14 years ago or something like that and so like she doesn't necessarily need all that she was given she was like back then like that was normal like they just prescribed a shit ton of opioids like 30 days oxycontin like lord tab coming out your butt uh and the problem is then parents don't use them all kids take them for fun because they are kind of fun um and then they get hooked on them or people get prescribed them and get hooked on them and can't get off them and then once the doctors won't prescribe them anymore they can't get the pills on the street maybe and so that's when the move to heroin itself happens because the pills are better the pills are pure. Pharmaceutical grade. Right, heroin. right, right. So the that's... Heroin, who knows what craps in that. And that's how it happens. And that's from a... From a physic. You chose some good drugs. Those two drugs <laughs> are like some <laughs> of the most physically addicting substances there are.
2: Yeah, it's been a rough one. Um, yeah. It, so it
0: was all just through partying? Or did you, did you have like an
3: injury where you were... Prescribed? I did
2: not have an injury. So it was, it was, just, was not prescribed. Just, it was just... And I didn't even enjoy it when I started. I was really an uppers and alcohol person. And when I tried opiates, I didn't enjoy it. It made me feel nauseous. I would vomit I was but like I just kept doing it and then one day I was like physically addicted and it was pills at first and then pills were really hard to get so then it ended up being heroin it was cheaper it was easier um and it just it got out of hand so quickly, I never imagined myself being in that position. So you've
0: before. been You've been clean for ten years now. Yeah, so you just yeah. completely That's missed awesome. the fentanyl problem.
2: Thank God. Okay. Yeah. Cause <laughs> Thank I mean t-
0: truthfully you might be dead. Like- I
2: could I honestly can't believe it because fentanyl when I was on opiates was like gold <clears throat> and it was it was so difficult to get it was your hand. Super wrong. rare, yeah. Super rare, super expensive the only time I think I may have almost died was when I got did fentanyl and it was like a patch form that I was chewing on Um so when I heard that fentanyl was so prevalent on the streets it was really hard for me to wrap my head around because I was just like this is something that was impossible to get your hands it on. It used to be scarce
1: just like in hospitals where yeah. it's like meant to be used because yeah. I used to work in a hospital while it was scarce while you were going yeah. through what you were going through and now to hear that like people are just like getting out on the street I'm like 10 years ago it's, like it's hospitals so, couldn't get
2: fentanyl. Yeah, it's, it's
0: scary. so dangerous cuz it's so easy to overdose on. So were you in Denver during all of that time?
2: Mhm. Most of that time was spent in Denver. I would also went to South Florida, which I was I was going to say it's got to be miserable to be homeless in Denver. Denver? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I I mean I was I managed to always have a place to stay. I think Florida was a little bit crazier for me cause <laughs> What I, took you
3: to Florida? How'd you get to Florida?
2: T- my, it was another attempt at getting clean. I had gone straight from rehab in Denver cause I wasn't clean in rehab and they were like, what are you gonna, what are you gonna do? <laughs> so I was, I agreed to go to another treatment center, what I thought it, that, I thought that's what it was gonna be anyway. Whereas it was just a hotel full of girls and like a pool and we all got drug tested but everybody was using and it just turned into like, <laughs> Two years of living hell, so far away from mountains or family or anything I knew. Well, if you're
3: used to this weather, this yeah. temperature, go there. <laughs> oh.
2: Yep. Yep. So then when I ended up here, which I had never been to Salt Lake before, and the reason why I came here was for treatment. Mm-hmm. I was we just, have just like, awesome. a lot of treatment centers here. Yeah. But just seeing the mountains, I felt so much better. So, I, yeah, I, I know. I, I don't I, like being I, away from for long. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I'd be remiss to ask what was it that fine? Because like going through rehab is uh, people think that you go through rehab and you should just be cured. But what was you it? You have to
1: be ready to go. Yeah. What oh,
0: was yeah. it that for you was finally like, I'm, I'm actually ready to be done and to move on and to get this out of my to life. To
2: actually like go through the process and do it. That's a tough question because I went through it so many times and each time it was for, I think, a different reason. Um, I think I was so exhausted, for one, by going through it so many times. It's beyond exhausting. But I think more so what's kept me clean was when I found art. And that was the key for me in actually staying and committing to my sobriety and my staying clean. Because before it was like, I wanted it. I just couldn't keep it. I kept getting clean. I just couldn't hold on to it. I couldn't find a reason. I just kept slipping. And finally, art was what actually I replaced my addiction with art. So I was creating every single day for like at least an hour a day. And that's what started like quieting all the voices and the demons. And it's the only thing that gets rid of the cravings. Or things, whatever might be bothering me, because they're not just—they're
0: not just gone.
2: No, never. Like when you have that
0: level of addiction, Mm -hmm. like they're always there in the back of your mind. So, how was your family during
3: this? I mean, were they supportive or were they like?
2: They tried to be as supportive as they could. I think they got so tired of me after a while. As Um, as a
3: parent myself, I could I could see wanting to be supportive, mm -hmm. but if your kid just keeps going, I, I could also see where that would be. Yep. Very frustrating and rehab can't be cheap
0: and.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh god, I can't even imagine the amount of money. Like, the, you know
0: it's yeah. cheaper than rehab? Prison sentences. <laughs> multiples of them. Not, it's his, multiples.
2: Not, not him, but his brother. That's why he...
1: Oh, you know. Okay. Yeah. Well, and grow, when you grew up in a small town, uh, like, drugs. the only thing to do is have sex and do drugs is what I hear anyway. Yeah. I didn't grow up in a small town. I drank a lot.
2: So. Yeah. yeah. But his <laughs> brother didn't. His yeah. brother
1: was into substances and went to prison several times and is now uh, fairly clean, I guess. I don't think he's doing anything hard anymore, but like,
0: he's he, he still a pothead. Yeah. Right.
1: But he and like this, his partner, they fit well and he, they like have a kid and they were able to buy a, a house. And, and, mm-hmm. and like now Chris will like let him come over. When, <laughs> when we first started dating 14 years ago, and I knew he had a brother. He's like, yeah, d- we don't give him our address. Like that's, and I was like, wow, wait, what? Yeah. And he's that, like, and yeah, I love
0: my brother, but he oh,
1: doesn't, like he doesn't come over here because that. I don't, like when he comes over, like I don't trust him in my house. Yeah. And now like yeah. he comes over and you know, his kid comes over and like, it's.
2: Yeah. Huge difference. I definitely was not trusted for a long time and I didn't blame them for that in mm. any way. Well, but if you're, I mean, I don't know that anyone that really
1: addiction is
3: realizes an ugly thing. that
2: they're an, an addict blames anyone, and if you're it, right. addicted
3: to that level, he'll do things you Oh wouldn't. yeah, ever yeah.
2: imagine. I could never imagine myself doing certain things, but they, they always showed up when I was ready for help, and that's something that I'll never, ever forget, is that when I was ready to get the help, they would show up. But otherwise, they they were just like... Are they still in... uh, They're still in Grand Junction. Yeah, I see them often. The trust is there. It's amazing. My mom and I really bonded through art. Because she actually didn't pick up art until... I became oh. a heroin addict and it wow. became her form of therapy. Her therapy.
3: To deal with it.
2: Yeah, so she was like in her 50s and 60s when she started making art and oh. showing in galleries and succeeding wow. herself. And then I was like, wow, if she can do it, maybe I can do it. Well, that's it. Grandma Moses. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> You've heard of Grandma Moses, the uh-huh. artist. She didn't start doing art till she was like in her mid-80s. Really? She became very, very famous. Okay. But
0: she didn't even start doing art until she was like in her yeah.
2: 80s. Yeah, So uh, there's exactly. no time limit. Or... Yeah. So
0: so, so you come to salt lake for rehab and did you just stay here following that and just fall in love with salt lake or did you leave and come back like how did that
2: um i did stay i have bounced around i've thought of moving i've chosen to stay um i yeah i actually had intentions of moving to florida because the art scene is really great out there when i lived there before i wasn't doing art i had no idea um but then I chose last, very last minute to stay here in Utah, which I'm glad I did. Um, just trying to stay aligned with who I am. And I think that's a big challenge as an artist is staying true to who I am and my voice and where I want to take my art because the art world can be very deceiving. So it <laughs>
1: sounds, sounds like you kind of missed, like you, you've, you've mentioned the mountains a lot. I yes. think when you're, when you <clears throat> grow up in this area, meaning
2: yeah, Colorado. The
1: Mountain region. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All of that. Like it's I feel like it's really hard to find a home where that doesn't exist.
2: Yeah. I tried, it didn't work for me. I could never get used to the flat. I couldn't I would always look out for the mountains in Florida and I never ever got used to nope. it. In two years I never got used to it. I'm a huge outdoors person. We camp constantly. It's like our favorite thing.
3: Well, that's the thing so about Utah life. is yeah. you can camp year round because yeah. you can go down south and be in nice weather. I mean, you can, mm. whatever. You can go to the
2: desert. You can go to the forest. Your you can do both in one day. You can, it's just, I could have a picnic out in the canyon just to get out of the bad air mm. quality. And there's just so much beauty here. So I have stayed. I didn't think I would stay. I definitely thought it was going to be a temporary thing. And
0: how long have you been in Utah now?
2: Um, since 2013. So almost 11 years. Oh, wow. Long
0: time. Nice. So So let me, let me ask you, how did you decide like medium and, you know, the style of art that you wanted to start diving into? Like, you know, you make this decision that I'm going to just, I'm going to do some art to try and deal with my, you know my issues. Yeah. Did you take like, you, some classes, or did you just just pick up some <laughs> pencils and start drawing? Um, like?
2: I just well, it was a summer, so I work at a restaurant part time as well, and at the time I was doing it full time. But I had a random customer come in and give me my first like sketchbook and art supply. He ended up becoming my mentor from Indianapolis. Oh, wow. So that was when I was like, if this isn't my sign, I don't know what it is, what is you know? So, so was it
3: a, a regular or just some dude just show some up? Just some guy
2: that was in town for a convention for hey, work. Some... Yeah, he like came in and was eating. It was slow. So I was just bullshitting with him for a couple hours. Nice guy. He came back in a few nights later and must have, I must have mentioned to him that I wanted to start creating some, somehow. And he came back with a sketchbook and wrote in there like, now you don't have an excuse not to create. Gave me his email. I'm now friends with his daughter. He passed recently, unfortunately. Um, oh, too bad. Um, but that's kind of where I started was just with sketching. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. So watercolors, just whatever was accessible. And it was just a daily thing. I was in a really toxic relationship at the time. I was just trying to cope and not relapse. So that was like, okay. I've I seen, feel like using, I'm just going to sketch for two hours and forget about it. I've seen
3: artists who've used the cheap watercolors you get mm-hmm. for your kids and do amazing things with it. So mm-hmm. it isn't necessarily the dollar amount you spend totally. in your supplies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it helps. It definitely but helps. But you don't have to have it
2: to exactly. get started. Exactly. I would say, I hate to admit it, but I even, there were times when I stole like the little cheap apple barrel Mm. they're only like a couple dollars (laughs) for paint, but i would still steal art supply you know just to like get better than what you probably used to steal absolutely exactly so i and there's so many you know i feel like there's so many mediums i still want to try i really want to get into like resin and charcoal and sculpting would be incredible so i think it's more about what i had what was accessible, and was available. yeah, and what I could afford, and now it's like my studio's downstairs. We have four dogs. We have my <laughs> boyfriend has a four year old daughter, so there's a lot of in and out. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah, in your house. so if I had a more controlled environment, I would definitely be using a lot more chemicals and mediums. So there's a lot I want to explore. So, so you start doing it
3: just something to do, something to cope. Yeah. How, how does it kind of evolve into, Oh, people will actually pay me to do this.
2: Yeah. I, uh, that was an interesting thing. Cause it took a long time for me to finally actually like say I might actually be an artist that took me, that was a huge hurdle for me to even admit to being an artist. I,
0: I think that's a hurdle for a lot of artists. Yeah. Like a lot of people, like, I think anybody creative. Like my, my daughter's a good example. I like to use her because she's super talented, but she doesn't think she is. She thinks her stuff's like <laughs> ugly and terrible. And I'm like, yeah. it's amazing. Like I remember when she was young, like 12, 13 years old, she had done just freehand sketched off of like she paused the TV on SpongeBob and freehanded all the SpongeBob characters to scale,
2: yeah. just
0: from like watching the show, yeah. and then she's like, "Well, I'm going to redo this one because he's a little too big for the rest of them." And I'm like, "I can't even tell that. Like, that's just how your brain works." But she doesn't see herself as an artist yep. at all. Spoken most
2: like a true artist. Most people
3: who own their own businesses, uh, who do art upfront, have a really hard time. Thinking that what they do is worth anything to anybody else. Yep. And that's a big hurdle to, yeah. to get over.
2: Well, and I remember not even I hadn't even charged or, you know, nobody had even paid for my art, but just wanting it on their walls, like just mm. gifting it and them wanting to put it on their wall. I was like, I couldn't believe anyone would want to put my art on their wall. And I'm trying to remember. Feels the-
1: like a commitment, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just didn't, like you said, I didn't think it was worth anything. Right. <laughs> I just, you could nitpick it all day long, but, um, it's
3: getting over that hurdle that yeah. I am good enough. Yeah. And what, what do they call it? Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is a bitch. It's so it's, real. You are an artist. You are, but you just yeah. struggle to. Feel like you really are,
2: yeah, and then to feel like you're worth something, and then actually putting your real value on, and then on putting that a dollar, another, yeah, it. exactly. That feels right. That's always been a huge one for well, me possibly, too. So how did it you're sh-
1: going through like using that as your therapy to like it probably starts out as well. This is just this is a replacement of my addiction. It's not anything exactly. that... Exactly. You know, this is uh, something I'm doing for myself, not necessarily for anybody else. Right. So right. how did it
3: start? Did somebody see somebody work and be
2: like, oh, I'd like a painting or yeah. i like some Yeah. Or you art. were poor and you started, like, giving it out and then people were like, you need to be charging for this. Right. Exactly. Well, I was giving it out at first and same thing. People were like, you should be charging for this. And then I just there was an, a local art show, a small art show that I decided to apply to and I was a part of and...
3: Which one? Because, like, up at you, the they have a bunch of those. Um,
2: it was called Bloom and Decay. It was through at the time they called themselves Opposition Gallery Series. Hmm. I don't think they are. I don't think
0: they exist anymore.
2: They don't exist anymore. But I know that a lot of I I met a lot of great artists through that event that I'm still in touch with that still are very like heavily involved in the I know art by community. The,
3: I know before COVID they did it a lot. I think they're back to it. They they would do the art walks. Okay, well it's was like five or six galleries. Not on the U campus, but kind of down, but, but in, in the downtown area, in that right. j, in that area where they'll once a month or twice a month they'll do the art walk and you go to four or five different galleries. Most of them are students at the U, okay. some of them are other things. But I know they have right. those kind of local things. Like I say, they did a, a lot before COVID, and obviously COVID shut it down. But I think they're back to doing
2: them. Yeah, I think they're back to doing them. Yeah. I haven't been a part of them, but I've heard of it, so I think they are doing that. I'm not sure if they're doing, cause I also am with like the Urban Arts Gallery right. and Southtown Mall. Did so. you do the one up
3: in Ogden? Are you part of that one up in Ogden?
2: I'm not, but I would like to be.
0: We've had a, we've had quite a the few. The Monarch. People. The Monarch.
2: The Monarch. Okay, I've heard of it.
0: So it's, uh, if you, if you live here in the valley, so it's a bit far from, from here, but the Monarch is like this big, it's like a co-op space basically, and so there's a lot of folks that have like small, like, just little cubby hole type shops there and it's just full of all kinds of art vendors. Like if you remember uh if you ever been to the what's it is it Build A Bear Craft Fair, that place that used to be on like seventy second and state. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not yeah, Build a Bear. No, it was no, uh it, just, I know, it was like the, the crafting bear or something like the, that. The quilted, quilted bear. Quilted bear, quilted bear quilted there you bear. go. Where they have like little like their own little booths and like this full time yeah, existence. So it's a whole little Shop so there's like little studios inside of there. Okay. Everybody can it's Cons- a really do it cool consignment
3: space. So the whole store's busy consignment,
0: right? Okay.
3: So there was all there was all kinds of art and
0: obviously quilts and but yeah, all kinds of stuff. But
1: that's like the way yeah, the Ogden
0: thing is the, kind. The of Monarchs. So. It's a bunch of art studios and little shops that people have. It's a really cool space. The guy that there. does the really cool metal. Uh, Prince. Yeah, he's got
3: Ooh. he's got a place. Was one of them. He's got a place there, and he was telling us about it. I'll
2: have to s- check it out. I've heard s- of it.
3: Super cool. Anyway, I, I yeah. digress. But
2: no, no worries.
3: So you started getting into some of these galleries. Yeah,
2: just just like a little. Well, it was just a little event, like a weekend show that they had. Um, they had music, all sorts of stuff. So that's when I sold my first original painting was from a painting I did for that show. And I was like going through a whole gas mask phase was when I like first started doing. I've looked
3: at your stuff. Is that the, the, the lady with the gas mask? Yeah. So there's
2: a nun with a gas mask. There's a native American.
3: So what was kind of your,
2: well, it was a bloom and decay art show and I didn't want to go with your typical like flowers and skulls or what you would normally think of. And I was really trying to push it for myself and gas masks were like a huge thing. And this is way before like 2020 or like COVID or any, but we, you know, with our air quality and all of that, it was, I felt like it was pretty appropriate. Well, so, so, so I know,
3: uh, Cat
2: mm-hmm.
3: local, Kat Palmer, mm-hmm. Palmer, Palmer. so we've had her on this show before. Yeah. She did a whole thing with gas masks. Yeah. Up at the Capitol. And
2: yeah. Was around. she with Salt Lake City Air Protectors? I think. Yeah. She I might think that's now. who she did it with. Yeah. yeah. Cause they use, they use one of the paintings Early, early on for one of their... Oh, so one of your paintings? Also. Yeah. So. That's really cool. Um, And that's when, I mean, I think I sold the, the nun in the gas mask for like $250 and I was stoked. Well... <laughs> <So> I was <laughs> stoked. For and you now I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, well, I, that, that feeling of somebody
3: actually
0: pays
2: yes. money. pays money for my money art. Or yeah, or and not. I'm doing it on my off time, and it's helping me stay sober. To be
0: clear, like, people, $250 for an original piece of artwork nothing. is not a piece yeah. of money. <laughs> that's gar- my heart
2: cheap. now, but at the that's, time, I was so That's garbage
0: excited. money, but if it's your first piece, Yeah, it's for your like first
2: piece, I feel like that's a good amount. $250 feel, you know? dollars
0: is like a pretty good price for like a canvas reprint of exactly. something. Exactly. Like a good-sized canvas, like but an original originals are worth a lot more than that especially for anyone that's you know actually doing a lot of art
3: so I'm assuming that kind of fueled the fire and helped you like absolutely start to get some confidence so kind of what was next
2: um, I started doing just like local, uh, outdoor events. I had lo- sh- done a show with my mom. I think she did one outdoor show and I learned a lot from her and she quit after that. Cause it's a lot, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but she kind of handed down a lot to me and I was like, well, I could give this a go. And so I did like uh, an open streets, Salt Lake. I don't know if they, I know they stopped when COVID yeah. happened. I don't think they've come back was yet. Was it the one that was down by the gateway? It was downtown. It was like right downtown. I feel or like was it was like near the-, the gateway. Yeah. I
3: know which one you're talking
2: yeah, about. Yeah. I only got to do one year, but I think I made like 500 bucks and it was one day and I was excited about that. So I started asking other local artists, you know, and just try to get involved with the local shows like that doing... I've done the farmer's market for five years, and that's like all summer, every weekend. That's been huge. So then we've
3: seen you because we've been to the farmer's market yeah. a couple of times as
0: the podcast. Yeah,
2: yeah. So that's where have, I met uh, you guys, I feel. I
0: think. Could have been. Yeah. We, yeah.
2: Or maybe. We hand out a lot of cards lot of and cards. talk to a lot
0: of people at the market every yeah. year. Cause. Well,
3: and then Julia, my daughter, who's part of the show, but she's not here. or are work related. Um, she owns the Palladian Altar. Okay. The, the, the crystals okay. and everything. And yeah, she's I at follow everything. Her. I
2: follow her. Yeah. yeah. She's
3: yeah. at. Everything.
2: Okay. Yeah. So maybe, and you know, the urban arts festival, but I'm, I'm hoping I can get into, I haven't gotten into the Utah arts fest yet. I've applied for That's a tough festival to get into. Yeah. It's a tough one, but I've upgraded my display. I've been told (laughs) what to do. I learned a lot last year, so I'm hoping to get into that and Kimball and like the higher end shows. I'm
0: always curious too, with something like the Utah arts festival, because it is so hard to get into. Like, how well do people really do at that show? So like, I, it, I yeah. know it's busy. I know there's a lot of people that go. But I also know from going many, many years, that a lot of people are walking out with stuff. So back in the late 1900s when I was in college. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was uh, in
0: college then too.
3: Uh, so I studied architecture. I was having babies. I studied, studied architecture, but along with it was a lot of art for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, and I know that uh, one of my classes, and I can't remember which one it was, uh, they would select, it was like two people to be in the Utah Arts uh, Festival. So s- that's how some of them are in there because I got selected one year. So I did. That, that's my... Exciting yeah. art is I actually had a piece in the, the Utah Arts Festival. It didn't sell anything like that, but I was just thrilled to have it in there. Yeah, I would be too. But I know at the U, like they give preference to a handful of students to actually be part of it. So I know that's right. how some of them get in there, but you're right. It, it's a big deal, but it's not one where people really seem to go buy a whole lot, but yeah. I think it's a good place to get your name out
2: there. That's interesting, because I've gone every year just to attend and see, and this last year when I went, I was actually like, wow, I'm glad I didn't get in this year, because it seemed like th- there was about half as many vendors. Mm-hmm. I don't know where everyone was. I was like, where did all the booths go? They're I not think even... Julia
3: was there.
0: With the mm. plate and altar and said the same thing. Uh, I think she was. I don't know if she was at the arts festival. That's a really hard show to get into.
2: Or did she just go to check it out? She maybe? might have just gone she to, she check just, yeah. to check it out. To
3: check it out because yeah. typically if she's not there, if they don't have a booth and they're selling, she's there. Right. Anyway. So maybe, yeah. maybe it was one that she was just there. But I remember her kind of saying the same thing. Like this was kind of weird.
2: Yeah, and it seems like year after year after year, it's always the same artists. Mm-hmm. Which is great, but, I mean, not a lot of local, yeah. and They, they have, you know, like, the glassblower
3: guy, right? Yes. They've always had the glassblower yeah. guy. And then they've got the metal... The
2: metal. The
3: metal guy, and they've got... So, yeah, uh-huh. and those guys have been going there for...
2: Right. Ever. And I understand that organizing a show like that, it's easier to just repeat the same vendors, put them in the same spot, but also mix it up, because people get bored, and... I don't know. We'll see. That's a slightly
3: different discussion for a different day, but that's kind of how Fanex has become. Well, and yeah, lo- low yeah.
0: attendance yeah. years will drive change. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, because and otherwise think, things don't survive.
2: Right. And I feel last year was definitely a low attendance year. It was a rough one. And it might have been coming out of COVID. I
3: don't know. There could be... I, I yeah. don't
2: know. Who
0: yeah. Knows? So you... you, you just- did some gas mask stuff. I mean, I, I I'm i just like your stuff for me is kind of all over the place in a sense. Like <laughs> a lot of times when you know, you a lot of times you look at a, a, a particular artist, so like Michael Goddard, for example. All of his shit has olives in it as people. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't
3: matter what it is. <laughs> they people. all
0: and we have the
3: the artist who does the natural stuff, but all of his stuff is skulls and desert scapes and Yeah. Well or like mm-hmm.
0: uh Kincaid. Kincaid has a style. Uh, like we painter
3: of light. The,
0: whether you like them or not like you know what thomas kincaid stuff looks like yeah um so and i'm always curious when i talk to artists how do you describe your art and what you do
2: yeah i would also say it's all over the place for sure that you should just call it eclectic eclectic for sure it's hard to it's hard to find i'm i'm really trying to um have more of a direction with my style and because i've been doing you know i specialize in portraiture it's what people love. It's what I get paid the most for. It's the most commissions I get are for portraits. I'm good at them. I enjoy them, but are they're not my favorite. Are like your portraits
3: like life like portraits? Are they more caricature style um, portraits? Are they more abstract?
2: They're more life like. Oh gosh, kind of character caricature as well. It kind of just depends. It's um, so not
3: like an exact.
0: They're likeness. not. They're not like yeah. real. They're not realistic, but they're very like. I mean, if you just look through her gallery of stuff, I mean, like you have the the Golden Girls piece. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I really liked that like that one. Like, right? Cool. But you know exactly who it is.
2: Exactly. Yeah. You, you know yes.
0: who it is. Or mm-hmm. like the the Elton John piece. Mm-hmm. You know it's Elton John, but it's also not. Like, lifelike. Lifelike. There's some, there's some style to it and some. What medium is that? Is that oil?
2: It's acrylic. That's I oil. have used oil. I'd like to use more oil, but I do feel like I pigeon my, pigeon hold myself a little bit with the portraits of musicians, which I, I enjoy doing, but I, I don't find as much inspiration through them as I did when I first started. So I'm trying to pull away from that and get more into a looser feel. Um, and try to find a good mix between like abstract and realism which is a hard thing to find so that is my biggest struggle is I do right. feel like my art has been all over the place and I've just kind of allowed it to take me where it needs to take me and just trying to follow well, that we had,
3: uh, that artist which I can't remember his Ooh. name that's abstract and his stuff is like Six, seven hundred dollars for little things.
2: Yeah, well, abstract is so hard. It's so hard. People think that abstract is the easiest. And I, I feel like a lot of artists get really good at like realism first and start moving more towards abstract later in their careers. So I have, I have a few
0: questions. I have a few, there's a few pieces that you've got up on your gallery and your site that I, I'm really interested in like what, what drove that, like if it was a commission piece or if there was something going on. So like the, the ham piece, because it's so very different than a lot of your other stuff. Mm -hmm. Did you say
1: hand or ham? Ham,
0: H-A-M. So it it is a, it is a primate, a a chimpanzee in basically like a space, like an orange space suit. Like very clearly, like that's the the vibe, but it's very different than all the other stuff you've done. So what, what drove the decision to make that piece?
2: Um, so I had actually learned the story of ham who they sent to space and I had to paint it. I was (laughs) like, that is the most fucked up story. I have to paint it. Like I couldn't believe it was real. Um, and that was one of the first ones where I was really trying to loosen up on my style because I was always so just like detail oriented and I could get caught in one detail for a week. So ham was the first one where I'm like, I'm really going to try to loosen this up and be more free and try a few different mediums. So I have some weird like water soluble crayons that I used on that and some other different mediums that I had never used before. But I think just, um, the story of ham and putting him in a spacesuit and sending him to space all by himself and then bringing him back and, leaving him all alone in captivity it was just like that's such the american way (laughs) you know like
0: get what you need yeah
2: and then just like making a beautiful painting out of such a fucked up story is like my mo, i guess
0: (laughs) and okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna go to another one um i really by the way i'm not gonna ask about the mask thing because you did it but the the leftover makeup is a beautiful painting i think thank
2: you yeah i like that
0: one um but the i think my favorite that i when i was looking through your stuff today my favorite one honestly is probably the redemption piece
2: yep she's my absolute favorite that's my baby i can't even read the description without sobbing my eyes out it it really like
0: just reading the title and seeing the piece i'm like oh this is just a personal story right
2: yep absolutely i feel like that's my story truly
3: so is that a piece you've sold or is it a piece um
2: the original is still available i you know a lot of my originals don't sell i have most of the originals that have sold have been like custom portraits for like family members stuff like that dog portraits um but my own originals really don't sell i've sold a ton of like canvas prints and reproductions of that piece though by far she's the most popular so i Kind of a slight side note. Where do you get your reproductions? Um, his name is Mitch Hughes, and he's amazing. He's local, and he so does everything. He'll he take makes, your original. How does he do it? Does he? he like does, digitally? He digitally captures. He takes photos of the original, and then he print. He has printers. He prints them up. He stretches them on over stretcher bars. Wires them. Get. I mean, it's the best quality um, reproductions I've been able to find and he's local, and he comes to me and he delivers, and he is just absolutely incredible. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I've had other artists recommend him to me, and I will recommend him to anybody. Any nice. day. Yes, he's incredible. Okay, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just no, curious No, I'm about... glad you asked, because he's the best. He's the best. I'd be lost without him.
0: <laughs> is it a metal guy? Is that Iron Pine? Yeah, I think is I that so. that his thing? Iron something. So he does
3: the... So his uh, metal art, it's like photorealistic, but... It, People actually think it's lit. Ooh. And he's like, no, there's no lights in it. It's just the way the metal reacts. And, oh, cool! Yeah, he his was his stuff was amazing, and he does um, he does do metal prints for print other sets. artists. Yeah, <gasps> uh, and so, so, he, so he could take your stuff and put it on metal.
0: Oh, cool! A- and it looks really cool. Like I've seen some of the stuff that he's done for other people, and it's like the metal. There's something about <laughs> it It transforms the piece.
3: Remember it's those really paintings cool. Cool. in like... the '90s that had all the lights and stuff in them? Yeah, it's almost got that feel to it.
2: I feel like maybe I've. Seen seen some of his... I
3: can't imagine you... If you've been to things, I'm positive. Yeah.
2: Or may, yeah.
3: I'm positive you would. Let's see you guys keep chatting. No, I'm wondering. I, I think
2: I might have seen an artist that might have used
0: him before. Yeah, whether. he's he's really good. So, yeah, so he has his own stuff, but he also prints. Okay. I, I feel yeah. like that's a thing that happens a lot with most different communities within Utah, but I see it in the art community too, where you'll have someone that is Really figured out like I'm, I've gotten really good at creating canvases of people's work. And so that's a service that they're able to offer as an artist themselves to other artists to be able to make money being an artist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> again, it all goes back to like knowing business a little bit and understanding how you can, you know, actually sell your work. So speaking of that is the stuff that you sell is it all like Prints essentially like reprints and prints, or do you do other things with your art?
2: Um, I've done clothing which I am not currently doing,
0: so that's a metal print from yeah, from him, from Iron Pines. So that's
3: printed on metal,
2: yeah. I feel like I've seen these before.
3: And he's out of Ogden, um, he's out of the Monarch, actually. At the Monarch, but he'll he takes other people's work and he'll put them on metal for you.
2: Very cool. So that might be a thought if you've got another
3: show or you've got another something or an idea
0: to try it. Something that's intentional, it looks amazing when you put it on metal Oof. and he does his artwork is like a lot of like um landscape photography stuff that he puts in right
2: metal. yeah i think i've seen him his stuff before that's beautiful
0: yeah and he was on our show i don't remember when You can go look him up oh, austin I'll Luckett, go. iron pine studios or iron pine art
2: that it was pre-covid i that's think him. okay i feel like i've met him
0: yeah I know who he is, oh. Jeremy well, I'm just yeah, so yeah <laughs> I mean, and, well, and he was great and he knows a
2: ton of people um <laughs> I feel like I've met him. I recognize that face, but that's one thing is I really want to get more connected with local artists,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, there's just that there's very few people, especially in the art community, they're like, no, I'm not gonna help you <laughs> your competition like that's just not a thing right? yeah. like, yep. you know, I think that. Artists understand that the more people enjoy art in general, the better it is for everyone. So
2: absolutely.
0: What's your, so is, is redemption then your favorite piece that you've
2: done? Yes. Redemption. Yes. She's my baby and she came together really easily too, which is interesting. Cause some, I mean, there's a few paintings I've been working on now for months and I just can't get them to come together, but redemption was just. One of those pieces that was like a few right, seconds, One more
3: of Iron Pines, and I'll stop interrupting. Yeah,
2: you're fine. He does
0: like the panoramic.
2: Wow.
0: Here we are with Jenna, an artist on her show. Jeremy's just putting everyone else's here, stuff up.
1: Here we are, you know, talking about her
2: her piece, and you're just like, Here's, "My suggestion oh, no, is your, some is of your pieces." Redemption on a metal. Like yeah, that I think amazing.
0: some of your stuff would look incredible. That's, that's my point. I'm not necessarily yeah. talking no, about. You're no,
2: you're fine. Artists. I'm not offended. Like, like the at
0: all. the, the uh, Charlotte's Web piece, I really like that. By the way, and I like the coloration in that piece. The yeah. very pastel y Um, and it's just, it's good. There's no actual face in it, which is interesting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I went through. That was during my like gas mask phase too. I think there was a lot to be said for masking. And so that was a huge theme in my art during those days, during Charlotte's web and the gas mask leftover makeup all of that and it's i was really definitely in,
0: like, not because you can't do faces because you have some really good i really faces. like the barbie one
2: that's the one left that's leftover, yeah, that's makeup. The I love leftover makeup, makeup. makeup i was talking about yeah
0: i really like that one yeah it's really cool
2: that's my best friend actually so she always every time that gets brought up she's like that's a painting that's of me, me. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's a good one. And then it's just interesting with the Barbie movie coming out a yeah. few years later, and all of it kind of lined up.
0: But like, if you look at some of her other stuff, like um America, yeah, uh, like you can see a really well done face. It's yeah. not just like a normal photorealistic face, but is definitely got some some character to it and some style but it's also very recognizable right and that one
2: was done in oil too which i only have done a couple in oil but that was like that time in my life was such a toxic time and you can tell from the like the, the, art. the art. And I didn't really realize it while I was painting it necessarily or why I was painting it, but now looking back on it, I'm like, oh my God, that makes perfect sense. Perfect
3: <laughs> so sense. are you lucky enough to be able to do this full time or do you have a, a job and this is kind of your
2: part time thing? Um, I've done both. Um, I kept thinking that full time art was the answer, but then I got there and was like, this kind of sucks. Like I'm a very uh, social person. I get depressed really easily if I'm indoors for too long. Like seasonal depression is real for me. So it's hard for me to stay on a schedule and have self discipline. And these are all things I learned by becoming a full time artist and making those mistakes and like really learning like this winter, I just needed to go work at the restaurant to get out of the house. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's some people (laughs) that.
3: To keep the passion alive, exactly. I can't do it full time exactly. because then it becomes too much of a job and yep. then you start resenting it.
2: Yeah. And then hopefully I can find a way to make it happen full time and not resent it and not become like, but I don't want to take all the fun out of creating. Right. And there's times when it's like, it feels so much like work that I don't want to paint and it, that's when it's such a bummer. So right. absolutely. Does that ever concern you? Because
1: it is your kind of solace for staying
2: clean that if you ruin that that you will relapse and I have to remind myself of that because I will I'll go through I mean and I have to try to ride the ebbs and flows and remind myself it's normal if I don't feel like creating all the time that's totally normal but when I go through those walls I also have to remind myself like you do this for your survival like this is literally your survival (laughs) and that's when I'm like okay the, the more resistance I'm feeling to painting, the more I need to be painting. So when I try to flip it that way, it makes it easier. But I have a huge fear of completely losing the joy. Right. And that's definitely right. something that always yeah. weighs on me. And
3: then it sure. becomes a job. And mm-hmm. then you lose. Well,
1: because for some people, if you lose the joy and you stop doing it and you go do something else and your life changes and you move on. But I'm sure there's just always in the back of your mind that nagging, you know, you know, the need for a hit. No, I'm going to do art. What happens if my art goes away? Will I be able to deny the hit? Yeah. Like that's, that's an added pressure for you <laughs> that's probably, you know, uh, helps and hinders your creativity. Absolutely. So you're
3: primarily doing, uh, paintings for other people or are they th- things you're doing that you want to are you commission work or kind of how is that panning out right now
2: um right now i'm mostly doing stuff for myself which is great uh i have like one commission that's in the works at the moment but i'm kind of loving that because i've definitely had years where it's just been like constant commission work where i'm not really charging a lot and it feels like factory work you know where it's like Portrait, 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 paint, 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 paint. Like, it's just, that's when I was like, I feel miserable. I hate this. I'm, you know, and that's something I, I'm always grateful for commission work, but I really was like, I'm going to slow down this winter (laughs) and really try to like hone in on my style and like be true to who I am has been my goal this winter, which has been really nice.
0: Well, one nice thing about art is because there's so many different mediums to play with, like you know, if you do get to a point where you're like, I just, I don't want to paint anything like, well, there's other stuff you can do. You mm-hmm. can sculpt, you can, I mean, there's a lot of other ways. Well, One to- of them is switched up, try charcoal, you
3: know, yeah. try doing all pastels, try to, yeah. I mean, so there's different mediums that you can kind of break the mm-hmm. monotony right. and hone that. And I mean, a lot of artists go through phases mm-hmm. or, or watercolor, I just do watercolor for a year or two and then I just do Well, or or you get to the point where you're able to mix them all but that is one nice thing Mm -hmm. about art is it's endless what what you can do with
2: it exactly and if I don't feel like you know I mean I'm not huge into social media anymore but before that was my another form of creating for me so if I didn't feel like picking up the paintbrush I could work on the business part Mm -hmm. or social media or whatever there's so many other things I can do (laughs) put prints together or whatever you know so there's always something to work on But even just like my sketchbook or my boyfriend's daughter's coloring book, you know, I'm always trying to like at least pick something up and doodle on something. So I'm always creating in one way or another.
0: I would be remiss not to point out to the listeners that she does custom skate decks.
2: I do. Which Those is are really so fun. freaking cool. That's yeah. cool. So would you
0: do like snowboards too then?
2: Yes. And I'm actually the commission that's in the works now. We're talking about doing, um, a surfboard. That's actually so very, that's, cool. Really oh, nice. that's yeah. cool. That's some cool um, stuff. Yeah. yeah. I haven't, I haven't painted a snowboard. I would love to, but I've done a ton of skate decks with my brother being so into skateboarding and, obviously and growing up bigger, around it. But it's the same. Yeah, that would be so fun. That would be really cool. Yeah, so I'm always open to do that. That's
3: awesome. That's
2: awesome. Also probably less likely to get messed up.
3: On a snowboard? Yeah, true. A snowboard? Yeah, skateboards. Uh, If if they're a real skater, it's all going to get ripped off
0: anyway. Uh, You've Uh, clearly never been to a terrain park on a snowboard. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They do the same grinding and shit that skateboarders (laughs) do. They're pretty harsh on the bottoms of their boards. But the thing is, when you do custom work like that, If You're probably not going to do that. Well, if you are writing on the board and you could do that, like there's things you can put over top of the custom paint to hold it in place and not damage it. Right,
2: right. Yeah. My brother has like probably at least 10 of the decks I painted just like hanging on his wall and they look so cool. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
3: That's really cool. So what's in the works? What's coming up? What do you have coming up for this year?
2: Oh man, I don't have anything solidified just yet. Honestly, I just have been applying for a ton of shows. So I'm hoping to do St. George in March, St. George arts fest. If this would be ideal, my lineup, because last year we did a lot of out, out of state stuff, which didn't work out very well. So we're going to stick, And do more local, but St. George, I hopefully Pride Festival is still going on this year. I know they kind of ran into Mm -hmm. some issues, but Pride Festival. I can't
3: imagine they won't. I realize I know that they had issues, but I can't imagine that they won't do it because it's just too big. It's too big. Even if they got rid of last year's organizers and brought in somebody else, yeah, they could. Can't imagine they would just cancel Pride. I think it's too big.
2: Yeah, I did it last year. It was great, and only one day really it rained us out the first day. So.
3: Yeah, Julia um, was, she, she sent us a message and they're like, they evacuated
2: everybody. We're yeah. all crammed in my car. As <laughs> soon it was as we wild. opened the gates, they evacuated. I got like a $500 sale, like right then. And they were like, everyone out, even the vendors. And I was like, I don't want to leave my tent here. I can't leave, yeah. but it ended up being <laughs> a great event, which, so I'm hoping to do that too. And then Utah Arts Fest, Kimball. I you went, like the
3: Wheeler Farm or is that one kind of, um,
2: sleepy? I haven't done that one yet. I haven't gone. I would like. I need to it's check it out. It's a smaller one. Okay.
3: But smaller ones aren't always bad. Yeah.
2: I know Swiss Days is crazy good. Yeah. Um, always like doing the farmer's market. They're just like family. I really enjoy that one. So, um, Park Silly would be great. So I'm just trying to do as many local, local events things. as possible this
0: year. How do, uh, how do people find you to get a hold of you to do custom stuff or buy some of your originals or your prints?
2: Uh, my website's jennalouise.art. That would probably be the best way or Instagram is art of Jenna Louise. Those would be the two best ways to find me. Yeah. Excellent. I'm always open for commission work.
0: I'm going to pick a card out of here. Pick a card, Our pick weekly card. affirmation.
1: Ooh. Um. <laughs> oh, this is a really short one. I can see uh, the back.
0: Uh, <laughs> Drink water and mind your own fucking business. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And the back just says enough said. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there
3: you so, go. That's, some,
0: that's some a
1: of good them way are to like, start out the year. Some right? of them
0: are like this one. You know, there's a whole huge-ass oh paragraph on the back of yep. them but, uh, and a lot on the front. But that one was pretty straightforward. Short it's, and simple. I guess, I mean, there's not a lot to say. Drink water mind your own fucking business. There you go. Not a bad, uh, not a bad <laughs> affirmation. Uh, I don't know how spiritual that one is, though.
1: <laughs> In fact, like this one's speaking to me.
0: These are called spiritual as fuck uh, <laughs> or spiritual AF. I love uh, those. So I know, we've got a uh, we got maybe a year. Let's get plus get this year. left, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. I was gonna count them. Oh, nah, I don't think that's necessary. The uh, dog <laughs> oh is now hanging Petey up. Baby Rose. Uh, <laughs> if you guys want to find us on social media, it's uh, at TNU Podcast. Uh, pretty much everywhere we have. Uh, well she, Sorry, she no you know, even, I know I love
2: you too. <laughs> she doesn't
0: usually do this.
2: I mean, awesome. She knows I'm a dog lover. It's awesome. Yeah, it's <laughs> she <was> okay. <trouble. laughs>
0: She's, She's like, is- This person will let me lick her face. <laughs> <laughs> uh you can go out to our website, thenewutah.com. dot com, join our Patreon uh and our Discord uh via the Patreons, Patreon.com forward slash uh, TNUP and uh thanks to Folk Hogan we don't always say it but uh, they do our intro and outro music we love those guys and they do have a number of
3: shows coming up go yeah. check out their uh, well it's on all their socials the closer like, we
0: get to St. Patrick's Day the yeah. busier those guys they're get they're always so. booked for St. Patrick's yep. Day and they have some great stories about St. Patrick's Day <laughs> yeah. amateur hour St. Patrick's Day is so uh enjoy your week enjoy the snow because it's not going anywhere